Welcome to episode two of Ideas Digest. Today we are digesting an idea that isn't very hard to swallow for many people within our society, but for a large group of people, this is still a very challenging and divisive topic. But we're going to push past controversy into the green pastures of understanding. Brooke doesn't like that little metaphor I made up, but we'll workshop it. It seems very fitting because the room we were in was this really distracting fluoro <laughs> green wall. Yeah, we'll post a photo of it. That was partly my problem with taking in all the information. I was completely distracted by this green wall. <laughs> I don't know how to get back on track after that. But we don't want to enter into the endless debate of who's right and who's wrong. We want this space to be a space that we can learn new perspectives and learn about the people who bring them. The man we interviewed today is a very busy doctor and we managed to catch him as he was touring through Australia on a new book release tour and every moment of his time is scheduled. So we managed to squeeze, like just squeeze 30 minutes. So I don't know if you can hear it in our voices in the podcast, but we are under the pump in a very cold room. When I was in the conversation, I was completely overwhelmed and freezing. It was like negative four degrees in there and I was physically shaking. We were in this little tiny podcasting room at a school and the thermostat was somewhere else and it was the ice age in there. So we're both half shivering. Yeah. So I think my brain had probably shut down partly to reserve energy. And Tim Jennings, he's a very intellectual, smart guy and he knows what he wants to say. He said it before a million times, I'm sure. And so his delivery, like he just knows how to communicate. Very good communicator, yeah. Yeah, and it was, I'm very, I'm a very like heart feeling person and he's very like, this is just how you do it. This This is very rational. And so for me, I was kind of sitting there with my mouth slightly open like, what words are you using right now? There's a lot in this. Yes, you definitely need to listen to it at least twice if you're anything like me. And I made notes the second time. That's how much I... And I paused it like every five minutes, wrote something. It's very information heavy, isn't it? It's very theological. And I think it's very much for a specific audience. So many people will look at that and see homosexuality and Christianity. Who cares? And I get that. What do you mean by who cares? I mean society's attitudes moved on it's kind of we're we're, we're like done why are we still having this conversation it, it feels a little bit like that but for many people uh within the church it's still like a really big issue so that so if you're someone who kind of does think it's still a big issue then this is a conversation that will be very interesting to you because obviously if you think things are important you're going to be interested in them so i'm saying nothing that profound right here <laughs> if you're interested you'll like this episode <laughs> So it was a very interesting, very in-depth conversation. And even if you've thought about this conversation, you have your ideas around it, you feel like you have nothing else to learn about the concept of homosexuality, which is the topic that we're discussing today, I guarantee that there will be something in this conversation that you might not have thought about or will help frame this, um, this idea that we're digesting homosexuality specifically in the christian context it'll help you frame it differently or see it in a new way see it in a new way enjoy the episode with tim jennings i'm right and you're wrong once you start labeling people categorizing of humans and ideas you have desensitized yourself to the humanity of that other human being to who they really are and in the marketplace of ideas these things are complicated man We all need to engage with a variety of viewpoints. A genuine multicultural 
connection with another. I mean, sometimes you don't need to agree or disagree. You just need to sit with it and digest. Okay, hello and welcome to Ideas Digest with me, Conrad. Brooke is here as well. Hello. And I'm joined today by an American gentleman from Tennessee, Dr. Timothy Jennings. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. I'm going to just read off your list of credentials because it is significant. You're a psychiatrist, a psychopharmacologist, a specialist in transcranial magnetic stimulation. You spent two decades researching the interface between brain science and biblical principles. Yes. Anything you want to add to that? What's the difference between a psychiatrist and a psychopharmacologist? Well, a psychopharmacologist is uh, somebody who specializes in the medicines or the, uh, the pharmaceuticals that affect psychiatric disorders and particularly the neuroscience of those, of those medicines. Do you feel very proud of your list of credentials just there? Or how do you feel about being <laughs> read all of those things? I, I, I always say you don't even have to share that. We can just go into the discussion. So Good. This is what my dad always wanted for me to have a list like that. But <laughs> Oh, well, <laughs> here I am surfing and podcasting. Okay. So you're an author of many books, The God-Shaped Heart, The God-Shaped Brain. Now, my dad, I think, is probably half your book sales in Australia because he, he's bought The God-Shaped Brain and he just hands it out like leaflets to people. Well, he, tell him he, I appreciate that. I, I'll tell him to introduce himself when you're in Melbourne. And, okay. And, yeah, he's a big fan, so um, shout out to Petey on that one. You've also rewritten or written a version of the New Testament. Yes. Why the, the, remedy, the Remedy New Testament expanded paraphrase. What led you to that project? I was uh, visiting with friends in California. We were discussing how in Christianity there's this artificial infection of imperialistic thinking. What I mean by imperialistic thing, this idea that, that God functions like a Roman dictator, makes up rules, and, and has to punish people for, for uh, breaking his rules, rather than seeing God as the creator and builder of reality whose laws are the laws upon which uh, reality function, gravity, physics, laws of health, and so forth. And so the remedy was really uh, a paraphrasing through the lens of design law with God as our creator, and we're out of harmony with how he built life to operate. And he has been working through his agencies in Christ Jesus to restore us back to his design. And it makes all the difference in the world to see it through this lens. And so you you kind of went back and took, put a lot of things back into context that you think right. some of the context has been taken no, out. There's no, there's no question. There's a, there's a lot of artificial legal language that really is not in the original right. that has been translated in because of the translators all translations have been done after Constantine converted right. and after Constantine converted the church accepted this idea that God's law functions no different than human law just a system of rules Im imposed by the authority and then enforced by the authority mm. rather than seeing God's law as the protocols upon which reality exists mm, I like that okay very good can you tell me a little bit about your history, kind of where you grew up? You grew up in Tennessee, and what was your background as well, a Well, I grew up in New Jersey. New Jersey, yeah. Okay, and we moved to Tennessee when I was 14. Okay. And then I've been in Tennessee, essentially, during that time, other than when I went to medical school. Medical school was in West Tennessee, and then I went in the U.S. Army. Army paid for my medical school, and so I spent seven years in the U.S. Army as a division psychiatrist and did my residency with the U.S. Army. And then I lived in North Georgia, just south of, of Tennessee, for a I guess seven years after I got out of the military and then back to Chattanooga. And when you were, Tennessee is a quite a conservative Christian state. Yes. Stereotypically. Yes. What, what was your religious upbringing? So I was raised Seventh-day Adventist, yep. very conservative Christian. Um, the way I was raised, it was a lot of rules, mm -hmm. uh, lots of do's yep. and don'ts. Yep. Uh, and uh, Swimming up to the knees kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, no, yep. no, yeah, we could wade, but we couldn't swim. Yep. That was true. It was yep. one of the rules. 
Yeah. And there was a lot of a lot of things that I started questioning and didn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, but yes, I was that's how I was raised. And did uh, like when you went into your medical profession, did more questions kind of come as you learned more about? Um, not in medical school, in my residency. Okay. In my psychiatry residency, my faculty were mostly um, not believing in God, yep. and they challenged those of us who did. And then if you read the um, various theorists—Freud, Jung, Adler, and so yes. forth—these are very intelligent people. Um, n- none of them really believe in God, and so I was challenged in my residency, but my faculty and by my reading, and that's where I really dug in and spent an uh, inordinate amount of, of time researching the scripture, and I had the, uh, the premise or the, that I needed to prove one way or the other that if, in fact, God exists and he is the creator of reality, then there should be testable design parameters and principles that should be identified both in scripture and in how life works that should harmonize, and we should be able to pull those out and find what those are. And so that's when I began doing that type of research. Mm. So kind of like a universal truth. Yes, exactly right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, okay, marrying like the reality that you're experiencing when you're studying the brain and all those things with, I guess sometimes it's proposed as an alternate reality of Christianity where it sometimes operates in a dis- different realm and you have to accept certain ideas, reject certain <laughs> ideas. Basically, like the religious rules or the structures that you're brought up thinking and believing, they don't translate into physical reality rules and right. so that's what you're saying you're finding continuity between what god says and spiritual law with what reality says that's correct that's correct yes and so in, in our ministry we, we've developed something called the integrative evidence-based approach which requires harmonization of three threads of evidence that's scripture uh science and nature and how life actually works life experiences and so we uh conclude that truths are those that are are evidenced in all three threads and and then and they we find that harmony there and that's very very um healthy predictable we have great sense of uh confidence in our conclusions when you can show all three threads come to the same conclusion Mm. so on this podcast we like to engage with challenging ideas and learn about the person yourself in this case behind the idea and your journey to the idea and kind of want to really sidestep the debate of who's right and who's wrong So let's see if we can transcend the controversy and take the time to understand another perspective. So I want to talk to you about uh, an idea that you presented in some of your lectures uh, regarding Christianity and homosexuality. Now, uh, to introduce the idea, we just have a bit of fun. And I saw your YouTube video entitled Homosexuality in the Christian World. And it's a good title. It's a descriptive title. It kind of says everything. But in 2019, it's all about clickbait. And so everybody's always coming up with inflammatory, reductionistic, um, oversimplified titles just to get clicks. So if you could sum up your idea within the talk in a short clickbaity title, what would it, what would it be? You know, I hate clickbait. So, don't we all exactly, yes. exactly. no really um, i don't i hadn't thought of that so i thought the title itself kind of is uh is the the clickbait um you know it, draw people in to see what is that about mm. and uh, that's actually interesting that you bring that because within itself it's homosexuality and christianity that is clickbait like that will get a lot of clicks and that's kind of one of the reasons why we're talking about it first tell me about the summary of your lectures that you gave about christianity and homosexuality 
So the summary would be, I go through a lot of medical evidence about yep. nor normal embryologic development and, sexual, and sexuality and showing the medical science behind what that is, and then basically draw the conclusion and demonstrate from Scripture that what Scripture is condemning is not what we're seeing in society today. I, They're two, two different things, and they've conflated, yeah. and they've taken Scripture, and they're applying it to something that the Bible writers were not applying it to. So uh, what I challenge is the idea that—let's let's use this metaphor— uh, in America, I don't know about in Australia, but in America, they have um, um, laws that govern um, how, uh, what employers can do with their employees uh, so that people who hired welders have to provide eye protection to their welders. Yeah. If they don't provide eye protection to the welders and they blind their welders, that, that could be prosecuted. It could be, it could be punished by law for doing that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, so blinding somebody who can see purposely doing that is criminal, mm -hmm. but a child born blind is not a criminal. Yeah. Okay, and so what the Bible is talking about is behaviors that take people who are heterosexual without any equivocation and then engaging in behaviors like fertility cult worship and other things and described in Romans 1 that debase or damage their natural desires and inflame them with desires they didn't previously have, mm -hmm. particularly desires for the same sex. Mm -hmm. That's what the scripture is condemning, and that is still to be condemned today. What, what was not condemned in scripture were people who were born with same-sex desire. That was not addressed. Or people who have um, intersex conditions like hermaphrodism or, or um, uh, androgen insensitivity syndrome and some of these other medical conditions, the Bible is silent on these conditions. It doesn't mm -hmm. speak about them at all. It is speaking specifically about people who have healthy desire, who then engage in destructive behaviors that, that damage those healthy desires. Mm -hmm. So you would say the way that most of Christianity at large has interpreted those scriptures um, they've interpreted it on a broad spectrum, and you're kind of saying... I'm not it. saying they're on a broad spectrum. No, they're interpreting them in a wrong spectrum, not a broad <laughs> spectrum, in a wrong spectrum. There are two aspects that I think are accurate. I don't have never heard Christian uh, speakers get up and say, uh, ever, and all the ones I've heard, that this is talking about heterosexuals who engage in pornography and then become inflamed with same sex. I've never heard that. Okay. Uh, what they talk about are people who have same-sex attractions since the earliest known uh, awareness of, of, of sexual attraction. They're talking about those people and condemning those from the scriptures. The scripture is not talking about those people. Mm -hmm. There is one other aspect of the, the scripture is talking about because it was culturally true, and the Bible's condemning that, and that is homosexuality in the Roman culture when, when the New Testament was written mm -hmm. wasn't about sexual relationships of a monogamous nature and a loving other person. It was about dominance and abuse, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, the, uh, the person in power would dominate or abuse the persons below themselves sodomize them and that was um, part of what was being condemned so it was the the condemnation of the control abuse of another involuntarily It'd be analogous to rape that's what was being being mm -hmm. condemned so homosexuality today is different to the homosexuality that was spoken about in all passages of the Bible. It, it, in general, it is, but that doesn't mean the other can't happen. People yeah. can engage in pornographic engagements and become inflamed. Heterosexuals yeah. can inflame themselves through these behaviors, and that can happen. That is still to be condemned. Mm -hmm. And uh, rape can still happen. Both heterosexual and homosexual rape can happen, yeah. and that is still to be condemned. Uh, talk about some of the medical examples that you give in the lectures. So androgen sensitivity syndrome is a condition yeah. in which a 
a XY chromosomal fetus, that's male fetus, mm -hmm. uh, doesn't have a receptor that recognizes testosterone, and even though they have testosterone circulating, because they don't have the receptor that, that sees testosterone, the end organs never masculinize, so they're born healthy baby females. And they grow up as females, given a female birth certificate, female identity, but they're chromosomally male. Uh, the Bible does not speak about this at all. It's right. silent. And there's yeah. many conditions just like this. Mm -hmm. Where people are born with these conditions. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and the Bible's silent on that. Mm -hmm. And so this person who's chromosomally male, but phenotypically, they look like a female, marries a man, is that homosexuality? Well, the Bible doesn't say. I've asked hundreds of people. They can't answer the question. Mm -hmm. Conversely, if this, woman, this person who is a woman by all outward appearance and by her own sense of identity, but chromosomally male, discovers that she's chromosomally male and therefore wants to be with a woman, and it looks like two women together, is that really lesbianism or is that a man with a woman? Again, the pastors can't say. They're completely stymied by this because the Bible is silent on this. But people want to be very judgmental. The real biblical principle is this. Man looks on the outward appearance. Outward, what looks to be happening. God looks on the heart. And it's always a condition of the heart. And it's a condition of the character. And so uh, gay people who can develop other-centered, Christ-like character where they love God and others more than themselves, and they enter in monogamous relationships which are selfless and other-centered. And many heterosexual people who marry only one person of the opposite sex and stay in that same marriage are hateful, bitter people who don't know how to love anybody. And, and just because they're in a heterosexual marriage doesn't mean they're going to be saved with their hateful hearts. So when you were growing up, what was the message around homosexuality or what did you grow up? being told about homosexuality in the context of Seventh-day Adventism? Nothing. Sex was not discussed growing up at all, right. of any context. There was no sexual discussion of any kind in the Christianity in which I grew up of any kind. Heterosexual, homosexual, nothing was talked about it in church or in school or anything, really. We didn't have general sex education when I, when I grew up, so nothing. Why do you think that is? Because they, because they were very puritanical. Just discuss puritanical quickly for me. I mean, you know, you, you, they had these very primitive puritanical beliefs of, of um, uh, you know, sex is something that is only discussed between the husband and wife behind closed doors and uh, those types of things. It very was, shame, yeah, shame yes, driven. Sh yes, yeah. yes, sex is something that should not be brought out in the public and right. talked about openly. When there was a conversation potentially or you saw a homosexual person or LGBTQ person in the community... There was no LGBTQ back in the community then. <laughs> that, that, that didn't exist. That's, very, that's a political thing that's developed over a period of time. Okay? And, and I'm gonna, let's, we need to be honest here. Okay? There is an agenda that's political that has nothing to do with the objective biological realities of people. Mm -hmm. And you're okay? speaking specifically about... The biological realities of people, perfect, yeah. not the politics of yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Yes. fantastic. Yeah. Given your upbringing of not talking about it what was your personal ideas around it? so my personal ideas growing up as an adolescent were the same as all normal heterosexual adolescents is yep. that you made fun of homosexuals yeah I mean, let's just be honest mm. there were homosexual jokes mm. and everybody told the homosexual jokes mm -hmm. okay and so and homosexuals or people with sexual identity stuff uh, would, would be shamed and could not come out publicly mm -hmm. uh, in uh, in the era in which I grew up I and mean, that's just reality yeah and by the way, I need to say all homosexual jokes are not evil. I have, uh, 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 you're about to ask me, I know where you're going. And uh, one of my close friends, uh, who was actually best man in my wedding, was homosexual. And he had some great homosexual jokes, okay? Yeah. And, uh, and so I, just because someone tells a homosexual joke doesn't necessarily mean they're, they're, they're anti-homosexual or they're against mm. the homosexual. I mean, it's not black and white there. Yeah, yeah. 
your journey from growing up in a conservative Christian area where homosexuality was frowned upon, shamed, uh, shunned. How did you come to this conclusion that you hold now where it's so my, 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 my first challenge to really rethink this was in my residency my residency was the time where I was really digging into God's word really challenging everything I was raised moving away from just a, a checklist of rules that that you just obey the rules and everything's right and mm-hmm. and clearly it wasn't I was really challenged to understand how reality works and in that uh, search for biblical understanding for the mind and so forth I also ended up in my second year resident as a second year resident, having an intern on my team who uh, was gay. And uh, we were in the US Army, so he didn't tell me he was gay initially. It was only after a couple of years we were in residency together um, for the three years that I remained there, and then uh, he, he had one more year after I finished. But we became friends, and he eventually told me that he was gay, and that's okay, he was my friend. Mm-hmm. It didn't really matter. But then, because he was my friend, I was able to really ask all the mythological questions that heterosexuals have about homosexuals and uh, about his life and really press him on these hard issues. And, and it was really helpful for me to have a friend that was trustworthy, that I could ask the questions that he wasn't offended at. And it helped me really understand that he really w- wasn't somebody who just chose to be this way, which mm-hmm. is the myth that people are often taught, mm-hmm. okay? and that he was really in some way wired differently. And then research has come out since that time to really help us understand that to be true. Um, but as I say that, I also I, I try to be you know fair and balanced, and the fair and balanced are there are individuals who are heterosexual who think they're gay because of some trauma experiences in their life, and it confuses their sexual development because of what happened in childhood. And then when you deal with the trauma issues, then they don't really experience themselves as gay anymore. They're heterosexual, and those individuals get held up by the religious right community as as evidence of we'll just get people in therapy, but they don't represent my friend, mm-hmm. okay, at all. So so kind of what you're saying a lot of is it's very complicated each case is very different and when anybody takes the time to go for example this person had trauma and they're gay people will like to oversimplify and say therefore all people who are gay have suffered trauma or yes no my my friend had no trauma had a very loving conservative christian home very um very supportive two parents in the home a really healthy upbringing but from his earliest memories when he started first having attractions it was always attractions of the same sex from very early memories mm-hmm. and uh very sharp guy very um very very intelligent guy mm-hmm. nice nice person and so that personal relationship empowered you to question a bit more about your previous beliefs? Well, I realized some of those beliefs were just um, biases that weren't based in reality. Uh And then I started doing a lot more research into the embryological development and other brain science stuff. Uh, And over the course of time, more and more research just confirmed that what the Bible is speaking of and condemning is not what we're seeing in society by and large. Mm -hmm. if If you wanted to to generalize and and pigeonhole what the Bible is condemning. What the Bible is condemning is pornography. Right. That's really what it's predicting. Or all types of pornographic behaviors, whatever you want to call those, whether it's, you know, photo pornographic or just orgies and things like that. That's what it's really condemning. Mm-hmm. When you went into the medical research of it, that kind of consolidated how actually complex it is. Because in the talk that you give, you show a list of all the various different what is it intersex intersex conditions and it just shows just how different biological things can happen and have different results and manifest differently for each person yes and so what people miss miss is people say yeah but we wouldn't have homosexuality if there wasn't sin 
Okay, we wouldn't have blindness or deafness if there wasn't sin either. Mm. We wouldn't have any physical health problems if there wasn't sin. So, yes, and this is what Paul talks about in Romans 8, that all nature groans under the weight of sin, and because sin is in the world, we have all types of physiological health-related problems, um, but, but those physiological health-related problems are not in and of themselves sin. They're just a result that sin is in the world because we have lots of gen genetic variables and defects in the genome for all of us now. Mm. And that's a big difference. What sin actually is is purposely choosing to live out, outside of harmony of God's design, and his primary design is love or other-centeredness. Okay. Now, what happens is that there are some Christian folks that have come along and said things like this. We know gay people haven't chosen to be that way. And so we don't, we don't uh, condemn them for being gay. It'd be like, uh, but we expect them to, to live like they're not gay. Mm -hmm. It'd be like saying uh, a blind person, it wasn't, we don't condemn them for being born blind, but we expect them to live like they can see. So what would you say to people that do feel like they have to pretend in order to belong to their community or tribe um, within the Christian context? So I would have to tell them they have to evaluate that on an individualistic basis and say, why am I pretending? They need to do a little introspection. Why am I pretending? Who am I pretending to? First, they have to stop pretending to themselves. That's the first. But let's, let's say they, they're not pretending to themselves. They're very much at peace with who they are. Then they have to ask, okay, who do I want to disclose this to? Just because you're at peace with yourself. One of the, one of the uh, you know, the pendulum swings of this whole thing has been that after people have come out and accepted from themselves, with themselves, that, they have, uh, that they're gay, that somehow many of them feel the urge to make sure that everyone in the world now knows they're gay. Rather than just being at peace and living their life, and if people ask, oh, you sure? Yeah, I am. Uh, they feel the need to actually go out and advertise it. They have to get the rainbow flag. They have to make sure that everybody knows, I, I, you need to know I'm gay. What's that urgency about? Mm -hmm. Why is it they have to broadcast it rather than just being themselves and be comfortable with themselves? It's an evidence to me that they're still not comfortable with themselves. And that may be a reaction to the fact they've lived uh, under the, what you've described, this fear of coming out and, and, and this pressure from a community. And so they really aren't still um, just simply being themselves. They're trying to force the community to accept their, them the way they are rather than giving the community freedom to not accept them if they want on any dynamic, whether it's gayness or whatever. Jesus didn't force his community to accept him as the Messiah. He just was who he was. What would you say regarding the church's stance on gay marriage? So, in my view, the church has every right as, a, as an organization to set its own internal policies for what it wants to have happen. But remember, denominations do not represent the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. The body of Christ, the body of Christ is made up of, you know, the church triumphant, which are the individual members across all denominations, okay? So an in institution can set up its own organizational policies for membership, mm -hmm. okay? And so if an institution wants to set that, they certainly can. Uh, it'll have a consequence, just like an institution can say priests cannot marry even a woman. Now, there's a big institution that priests have to be celibate and can't marry a woman. But there's a consequence for doing that to them as well. And the consequence historically, in my view, has been they've had a selection bias in which people which have had certain sexual proclivities have gravitated to that organization and then ended up exploiting kids. Hmm. So should someone who's gay stand by the church values of marriage, even though certain church institutions might not support it? 
you know, that's going to be an individual basis. I'm not going to step in and tell somebody where they should support or not support. Um, some I know some people who absolutely stand by the church, even though the church takes that, or their denominational church, even though their denomination takes that, and others that don't. And so I support each individual. It's all about, uh, Paul says in Romans 14, let every person be fully persuaded in their own mind. So I wouldn't suggest that they should or should not. That's up to them. It sounds almost as if the fact that homosexuality is an issue within Christianity so let me see if I can cut to the chase on this. The real problem with this issue is the same problem across the board with every major conflict in Christianity. And the real problem is that historically Christianity has, has operated on an imperial law construct, which is all about external behavior and deeds. It's the deeds that you do. Whereas true Christianity is always about the content of your heart. Jesus said in Matthew 5, you say if you commit adultery, bad deed, you commit sin. I say if you lust in your heart. You say, Jesus, uh, the, 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 the homosexuality problem that we see in the church today, the people have an issue with it, they're focused on behavior. You can be a homosexual as long as you have no homosexual behavior. It's okay that you're a homosexual in your heart. We will be gracious and love you anyway. And you can even be a deacon in our church, in our church office, as long as you're celibate and have no homosexual behavior. It's all behaviorally driven. The real issue in Christianity, though, is not primarily behavior. The real issue in Christianity is the condition of the heart. And I will tell you, there are gay people who live in a monogamous, loving, gay relationship who love others more than self and put themselves in harm's way to save other people. Those people have a heart like Christ. If you see that kind of love in a person, that is not natural. That is supernatural. That is the work of the Holy Spirit in their heart. And that's the prime evidence. The problem is Christianity is dominated by imperialistic thinkers, and it's not about the condition, it's the heart. It's about your, your legal status and the way you behave. And wrapping up, what do you think the outcome of this, what, what you call imperialistic worldview, what do you think the outcome of holding that idea has been for the homosexual community? The outcome for the church holding that idea? Yeah. Well, I think it's been, of course, that they become um, stigmatized and they become the objects of scorn and wrath uh, so that people can, uh, and this is what typically happens in any system in which you have an imperialistic rule, you have uh, a division of society based on whether you're in the rule or out of the rule. And so you see in, the, in Christ's day, the Pharisees in Christ's day, the Samaritans, the prostitute, the tax collector, they were outside and they were criticized. And today it's the homosexual and... Uh, the outsider. Exactly, the and outsider. So it almost doesn't empower a stance of love. No, it doesn't. It empowers a stance of judgment. Exactly. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. We've been pressed for time. So if you have any more questions, where can people learn about this idea, but a lot of your large body of work? Comeandreason.com. Comeandreason.com is our website. Lots of free resources there. Free resources, podcasts. Um, you've got books for sale on there. DVDs, DVDs. lectures of all kinds, blogs, um, a Bible study class we do regularly. And I just wanted to say thank you feel like you're a really healthy helpful voice in this so thank you for that praise the lord thank you mm, thanks so much thanks for listening i hope you enjoyed that episode with dr timothy jennings there's a definitely a lot in that interview i for one wish we had more time to chat with him and there's a lot of questions i 
would have loved to ask, but hopefully that's a good starting point. And if you're interested in learning more about his perspective and some of his opinions and thoughts about Christianity, religion, and anything else, definitely check out his extensive body of work. He's got some interesting things to have a look at. And remember, if you have any questions or any topic ideas that you think should be discussed or we could discuss, send me an email at ideasdigest at gmail.com. That's right, it's at gmail because let's face it, I don't even know how to get a domain name and gmail's free. So send me an email. And remember, this is a people-driven community podcast where the ideas that we talk about and the people we talk to come from the community, come from you guys. We won't always be talking to international 10-degree holding authors. I really want to engage with ideas on the ground level and the ground level being you, you right in the car listening to this podcast. That's right, you. So if you if you come across anyone with some interesting ideas or you yourself think you've got an interesting idea that has shaped your world or how you see the world better, send me an email if you're scrolling Facebook and there's a Facebook argument that's popped up in your face and you think that'd be an interesting idea to discuss. Send me an email about it. We'd love to look into it and talk about it because we don't want to be afraid of any ideas or any perspectives. We just want to kind of have a look at everything and learn from whoever we can. Because who cares? If you agree, you disagree, yeah, who, who really cares? Let's just learn what the other perspective is. So thanks for listening. And remember to check out our website, probably coming soon. I don't know. Well, I'll keep you posted on that one. And we have an Instagram page. So take a look at that. Give that a follow. Thanks for tuning in.